morning and welcome. It's that time once again. The Patriot Radio News Hour live from the Hole in the Ceiling Studios in beautiful yet chilly Deer Valley, Arizona. And I should, you know, obviously, it's Arizona chilly. Uh, it was in the 30s as I was driving to work today. Uh, I saw that, and I don't know if it's true or not, that we may not even get to 60 today. I know the rest of you are like, come on. Uh, but, it's you know, if you're going to be golfing today, you got to get the long pants and, and a sweater out. Uh, other than that, they, they said it'll warm up again next week. Uh, but uh, I actually put shorts on. It's just a habit. I'm regretting it now. I'm like, ah. Oh. But, you know, yesterday, I, yeah, what you? I'm not that smart. I, and I knew it was going to be cold again today. Uh, but I'm back in the shorts and the polo shirt. Uh, our toll-free number, 800 uh, Getting busier and busier. Another busy morning today. Uh, what a crazy, <laughs> absolute bedlam and mayhem on Wall Street. I'll, I'll bring you up to speed on all of it. Uh, the website, if you go out there, it'll look a little different. We are adding... All of, we added all of the social media stuff, making it almost impossible. You now have no excuse. You can listen to us whenever you want, whatever's convenient for you. And, you know, if you want to listen live, if you want to listen at, at noon or at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, if you want to listen to us at 9 o'clock at night or 3 o'clock in the morning, you can do it. I think we got... The Google Play link up there, the iTunes link up there, the YouTube link up there. I mean, we got all the links. We, we, we've linked it all up. Uh, there's no way now it's impossible for you not to be able to get this show. Uh, and that was, we, we added that uh, this morning. And shout out to Ryan and Eugene. Those guys were helping us out and uh, getting that to you because we want to make it easy for you. We really, really do. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when we do that, we make things hard. But, uh, but, uh, Things seem to be going in the right direction. And what a crazy, crazy market after the Federal Reserve minutes yesterday. And, and I got to tell you, I laughed. I don't know how many times yesterday as I was watching the idiots on TV explain what happened. You know, the, the Dow was up. You know, it was up all day. It was up, but it was, uh, well, you know, about 100 points. And, and gold was just hanging out. Uh, right after the Fed minutes come out, apparently, you know, the, the computers can read a lot faster than, than the rest of us. Not that it's a, a long statement. It's not. Uh, the Dow shoots up 300 points. Gold was up 6 or $7. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bam, it comes crashing down uh the Wall Street ended up down almost 200 points. Gold was down, and after, and of course, now gold was closed, but they had the electronic trading going on. Uh, gold was down five or six dollars, and and the minutes themselves. So, so just so for people, if you weren't listening yesterday, which by the way, now you have no excuse not to be caught up. The Federal Reserve, this was the last of the Janet Yellen meetings. This was the meeting that took place at the end of January. So they, uh, well, I guess, yeah, and it was early February, I guess. So two weeks after the Federal Reserve meeting, they released the minutes, right? I, I, why, who knows? 
right? This is just the game that they play uh, to pretend like they, they're important. And in the minutes, it wasn't very, it wasn't hawkish. And I say, you know, how can you really call any of them at the Fed hawkish? Uh, but no one got the opinion that the Federal Reserve, uh, based on those minutes, was very worried about. You know, the, you know, didn't look like it was a four-rate hike type of event, and nobody seemed all that worried. And then, apparently, the reason for the change of heart, and this is, you know, like this is just what they said on TV. Well, people realize that the meeting took place after or before all of this economic data, you know, the PPI and the CPI and and all of this, uh, the wage inflation that they were, you know, the wage inflation they were claiming to be. And and, and this was before the the, the spending, right, before the, the extra $300 billion. And so, based on that, if, if if the Fed had met after that, they'd be more hawkish. So that was why. And I just was like, yeah, apparently, they didn't have a calendar, right? Like, they didn't know this before the minutes were released. Uh, but, but again, it's just, they don't know how to explain it. So they come up and they make up things that make no sense, right? Everybody knew when that meeting was. Everybody do the data that came after that meeting. And, you know, when you think about some of the data that's come after it, they only want to talk about certain ones. I did, they didn't mention the bad retail sales number. Right? They didn't mention the really bad existing home sales number, right? They, but they, again, anything to fit the narrative today, uh, everything is bouncing back. Uh Gold's uh, 1331, silver 1660, the Dow's up uh, 250 points, and uh, everybody seems to be uh, waiting now for the next Federal Reserve meeting. The 10-year note, by the way, did hit a new uh, multi-year high, got up, I think got to 295. I know it got 295, may have actually touched 296. Uh, and all the short-term notes that we've been talking about have all hit uh, highs, what, 10-year highs. Uh, we got it past 3.03 on the 10-year note. So we're kind of circling 3% on the 10-year note. And then on the 30-year note, we're looking at 3.24. Right now, the 30-year, I think, is 3.19. Uh, so we're really, really close. Those are key levels to look out for. We had a bunch of Federal Reserve talk. I'm going to bring you all up to speed when we get back. 800-951-0592. So, what are we looking for? What's got the market so upset that after, you know, several years of, hey, the Dow just went up every day. Well, and not every day, but close enough, and nothing really exciting happened. And and of course, uh, and, you know they still do it. I, at least Fox still does it. Shows the Dow, how much the Dow is up since Trump has been elected. Right? We see that screen all the time. I think that this morning it was at thirty five percent. It's been as high as forty five percent and as low as like twenty nine percent, which ought to tell you uh, what's coming next, right? It, 
always, 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 right? You got to expect the bounce the other way, right? Because that that's an unrealistic number. But having said that, what is it that's doing it? And you really have to look at, okay, why did we get such a huge mispricing? And and remember, I've been trying to educate you about uh, the why the equity market was right. We hit really by almost every single metric. The Dow hit a level. You when you go back uh, to the twenty nine crash, you go back to the dot com bubble. The Dow hit all of those metrics as far as being overvalued. And how did it get overvalued? And that got overvalued because the Federal Reserve deliberately mispriced the debt. And now that all of a sudden the debt markets are starting to reprice, starting to cause some trouble. Part of the, and really, I, and I think more than anything, because you think about uh, the Federal Reserve over the last year and a half, they've been raising rates. They have been. The, but the bond market didn't really do anything. But now the deficits are exploding again. And now the bond market is paying attention. Yesterday, the the, the Treasury Undersecretary, uh, David Malpass, he's the undersecretary of the Treasury. He's like the number two guy at the Treasury, right? Steve Mnuchin is the head guy. He said yesterday, or I'm sorry, this was actually late Wednesday, he was troubled by the annual budget deficit. Oh, I know that. Hey, thanks for that. But I'm glad to hear that at least somebody's troubled by that and wants a three-year program to slow the growth of the national debt. I think it's too high now, and it's going higher. And this is the problem. It's going to go a lot higher. I am troubled by the deficit. I'm troubled by the national debt. And I think we need to program a program to start dealing with it. Uh, and, and then on those notes, we had the Dallas Federal Reserve president, uh, who is a uh, uh, Kaplan is his name. He was out yesterday, and he really had some interesting things uh, to say about the history of the Federal Reserve. And this is something where uh, I think it was very, very interesting because we had two Fed governors uh, out. We had Kaplan out. And then we we had Evans out, uh, both of whom had two very, very, or I'm not uh, Evans, we had uh, Bullard out this morning, and they sounded exactly opposite. And I think this is another big problem that we have. They don't know what to do. Right? They know the debts are way too high. They also know... God, we want to get this debt that we bought off of our balance sheet, and and at the same time we got to get you know all, we we've allowed for these markets to be mispriced, the debt markets to be mispriced for a decade, and now we've got this huge giant bubble, and we're trying not to let anybody know about it. So here I, I'll do Kaplan first, since he talked uh, before Evan. 
I believe the Federal Reserve should be gradually raising the Federal Reserve funds rate during 2018. History suggests that if the Fed waits too long to remove accommodations at this stage in the economic cycle, excess and imbalances begin to build and the Fed will ultimately have to play catch-up. So what is Kaplan saying? Hey, listen, you know, we've made mistakes in the past. (laughs) And our mistake is we always wait too long. And I'm just going to say this. Does anybody kind of think that maybe last year when the Dow was going crazy that they had waited too long and that the excess is already here? I'm just saying. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a logical conclusion? Then I want, but I want to finish with what he talked about next. He called the debt unsustainable. Had very cautionary words about the recent tax overhaul. He gave his economic projection, by the way. 2.5 to 2.75 this year does not believe that it will have any effect in 2019. This is Federal Reserve President Kaplan, the Dallas Fed president. Uh, he, he His warning about the debt goes beyond well beyond just the next two years. Most of the stimulus in the tax cuts and the spending package will fade in 2019, leaving behind an, an economy with higher debt burdens than before, and the projected increase in government debt to GDP comes at a point in the economic cycle. Again, this economic cycle. What economic cycle is he talking about? I mean, I didn't really know that there was all you want. They always, I, I'll say this, they always like to pretend, oh, we've got these economic cycles. You know, it goes up and it comes down, and, you know, it's just these cycles. And what we try to do at the Federal Reserve is we try to keep the cycles from going too too far up or too far down. Right? That's, that's what they like to believe. And, and we went to school, and we read all these textbooks, and, and we studied all of these theories and economic models, and we got the MIT Mafia, and we got all this. We, I mean, we got everything. And we run all these computer models all the time. The Dow went up 40% in like one year. That's ridiculous. You all know that. It's going to come back. The problem is it's not going to come back the way most people would think. Because the problem wasn't the Dow. That wasn't the problem. It was just going based upon the, what did he call it? I want to make the stimulus effect that the Federal Reserve was using during the economic cycle. So what Kaplan is really saying is, hey, listen, the next economic cycle is going to go the other way. See what I'm saying, right? That's, they won't say it plainly. 
but but I'll help them. I'll help them say it for them. Hey, we screwed up. Uh, we got way too accommodative. We overdid it, which caused, and by overdoing it, we, we had the bond market so undervalued and underpriced that we're now going to have problems in all the other markets that were around. Remember what all these people were saying on TV, and I guess they were partially right. In a low-rate environment, the, these P.E. ratios are perfectly warranted. Right? That was a, you remember you you were there. I know you heard it. And people would take the you know and the, the idiots on the TV, oh yeah, 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 sure, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And now they're saying, well, now the debt markets are repricing and now we've got a problem. And now he's talking about he wants the government to start moderating the pace of the debt increases really, which is amazing to me because I don't know how they can moderate. I mean, I know in 2021 or 2022, the tax cuts, you got to go away, but the business ones are permanent. And you you hear them now, they're all talking now about, you know, and you'll hear Paul Ryan and the rest, they're going to go after Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, whether it's a gasoline tax, now now we heard there's going to be possibly a mileage tax, which that may be a better idea. Uh, not that a, a tax is a good idea, but if we truly are, if these electric cars are really going to come to fruition, a gasoline tax probably isn't going to help much. Uh, but that was Kaplan. This morning, you had to get up early. Thankfully for you guys, I did it for you. At about 4 o'clock Arizona time, uh, Jim Bullard was on CNBC on the Idiot Box. And he was telling uh, everybody that would listen his opinion about where we stand on rate hikes. He made it very clear. By the way, I don't, and I'll have to look, and I, and I apologize, I just uh, uh, didn't get a chance to get it done this morning. I don't think he has a vote. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll verify that, because some Fed governors don't have a vote. I think this year he's a non-voting member, but, but I'll verify that. He doesn't want rate hikes. Matter of fact, he, he poo-pooed anything, any notion of four rate hikes, which I, I don't know that four. I think it's going to be three. That's just my guess. Uh, he, he would actually like to have even less. But his economic growth forecast, was the same as Kaplan's, about two and a half. They asked him about 2019. He said 2.1. I don't know if they're right or wrong. And again, usually, usually, the Federal Reserve aims too high. Let's hope this time they're just aiming too low. But here's where things got interesting. He doesn't want rate hikes. Kaplan thinks we're behind on rate hikes. And and so now we've got dissension in the Fed. Nobody knows really what to do. Both of them have well below what what we're being told the GDP targets are going to be. Right? No one's I have yet to see any Federal Reserve governor or the Federal Reserve chief mention 3% yet. I haven't heard that once. 
They're, they are concerned about the debt, but now you have at least one Fed governor coming out and saying, hey, I don't want, really, he wants to take the wait-and-see approach. So Kaplan says, hey, we've had a history of waiting too long. And then Jim Bullard comes out on TV right after him and says, hey, I want to keep waiting. And I think this is really, when you think about what's happening in the bond market and why is it, why are we getting these wild swings? Because the bond market is starting to what? Understand, uh-oh. Some really smart guys who don't go on TV. Right? The really smart guys that are sitting in an office somewhere in Manhattan or Chicago that have been doing this a really, really long time are starting to go the other way. They called them bond vigilantes in the 80s, and they appear to be back. And remember, I've been trying to warn you that we've got to look at the bond market. That is really where everything is going to come out. And today uh, we had two Federal Reserve presidents, the Dallas Federal Reserve president and the St. Louis Federal Reserve president, come out and contradict each other. One saying, well, we need to raise because we're, I don't want to be. He didn't say they were behind. He just said, I don't want to be behind. The other one came out and said, let's wait. Because I don't want to be early. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that deny freedom of religion, slander America, and would redefine the family. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Conservatives see politics like a game of football, keeping our eye on the ball so that we can play the long game. However, liberals see politics as a game of dodgeball. They keep throwing different balls over and over again with the hopes that a few will eventually reach their target. Well, thankfully, Phyllis Schlafly saw through the liberal mentality and warned us of many threats in her December 2007 Phyllis Schlafly report. As the 2018 midterm elections approach, liberals have many tricky plans to bolster their representation. Perhaps the most prevalent of these schemes is to eradicate the Electoral College. The Founding Fathers were wise to institute this system we now enjoy. First, the Electoral College provides a strong defense against widespread election fraud, and also prevents a candidate from demanding a recount in key jurisdictions in order to drum up a few thousand more votes in each to change the outcome of a close election. The next liberal attack on the Constitution is the issue of statehood for Washington, D.C. Democrats know that the District of Columbia will always vote for Democrats. The American people also know this, which is why they have such a strong opinion against the idea of D.C. statehood. If the Democrats cannot get more voting power from Washington, D.C., they will gladly head south to a place where residents don't even want representation. Puerto Rican statehood would be a bad deal for the rest of America because most residents of the Commonwealth don't speak English. Also, the average income in Puerto Rico is lower than any state, about $20,000 compared to $50,000. 
This would create a massive economic gap that the rest of us would have to bridge. Despite Puerto Rican statehood being a bad deal all the way around, Democrats would rather have more votes in Congress and shove statehood down the throat of an unwilling people. It's easy to see how Democrats cast their nets far and wide in search of any political advantage. They're willing to throw just about anyone or anything under the bus in order to win the political game. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. While we're during the break, I did I did check. Bullard has no vote. So he just may be out there <laughs> to give the other side, right, to, to test to the other side uh, because he does not have a vote. Uh, but he he was out in force this morning saying that he, he wants to wait. Doesn't necessarily believe uh, the big economic comeback story and doesn't necessarily believe that there's a big wage inflation problem. Remember what I told you about wages. Did you really get a pay raise if they if you got a raise but they cut your hours? But really what's happening is the bond market. You've got to keep your eyes out. Matter of fact, now news breaking, uh, Art Cashin, he's one of the few guys that is on TV that's actually been around. You know, he actually was, uh, you know, working in the 80s when the last time, well, I guess the 70s into the early 80s, the last time you actually had a rising uh, interest rate environment saying, when the 10-year Treasury breaks 3%, everybody knows it's like touching the third rail. The assumption is once they do it, all hell will break loose. So we're going to have to wait and see. And then he talked about the move yesterday where the bond market is where it started. So remember how I told you at the beginning of the show, so... Right after the Fed minutes, they didn't seem super hawkish about four rate hikes. They didn't seem overly concerned about inflation. They didn't seem concerned at all about the economy overheating. I don't know. you know. And I heard a bunch of people talking about that, too, on TV. Who's talking about the economy overheating? I mean, just the people on TV acting like we're thinking about that. I would love to see it get hot. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were talking about GDP or 4 or 5%? That'd be fantastic. But here's what Cashin had to say about the move yesterday. Initially, yields moved down. Stocks rallied like crazy. I don't know about crazy. I mean, they, they were up 100, moved up to 300, but okay. Moments after the Fed minutes were released, then about eight minutes into that move, I don't know, someone's got a stopwatch, right? Eight minutes into that move, stocks looked back and noticed that the bond market had changed its mind. 
Remember, yesterday the 10-year note closed at a new multi-year high. The sharp move on Wednesday were probably due to our friends, the long-lost bond vigilantes. The phrase that was coined during the 80s referring to traders who sell their holdings in an effort to enforce what they consider to be fiscal discipline. Selling bonds sends yields higher due to the inverse relationship between bond price and bond yield. And, and remember, as bond yields rise, the price goes down. Right. So you think about uh, the Federal Reserve and all the bonds they hold, right? They're all turning into money losers as the yields rise. Part of the reason why they probably want to get rid of them all. We're going to need a couple of weeks, well, that's not very long, to see if the bond vigilantes are back or not, or whether it was simply a fluke. But remembering what they, the vigilantes look like, it certainly had fingerprints on them. That was our cash-in uh, this morning, talking about what really happened yesterday. All of this happening inside of the bond market, and really now the bond market driving the stock market. And that really makes sense. You know what? For the first time in a while, I'm like, that makes sense? It really fits with what we've been talking about, right? The reason why the, the, the stock market got so out of whack was because the Federal Reserve had manipulated the bond market. And now the bond market seemingly is ignoring the Federal Reserve. Because they came out, the minutes were, were dovish. They're like, oh, we're not worried about anything, and don't worry. We're not going to go too crazy on the rate thing. It's going to be fine. And and we don't think GDP is really going to grow at all. Well, I shouldn't say at all. I mean, they're two and a half, two sevens about the highest I've seen. That's still higher than what it was. But the problem is the amount of debt that's coming to the system. And we've been talking, listen, I've never covered the bond market this much ever. Ever. Now we've got to wait till 2 o'clock in the afternoon because you notice how, have you been noticing over the last several weeks how around 2 o'clock in the afternoon everything gets a little crazy? That's because that's when the, the last of the auctions end. And they, they always save the hardest ones for last, right? They do the, uh, the early, the, the short-term st- stuff they do early in the day. The longer-term stuff they do later in the day. And then as soon as they look at the internals, right, that just that, that all of a sudden has a huge effect. And right now the internals are saying foreigners aren't showing up. And not just foreign. There's just not a, enough buyer. Well, there's not nearly as many buyers as it used to be. Now, let me ask you something. And this just a question for you to think about. Let's just say you were going to go to this bond auction. 
and you're looking at, uh, and I don't care if it's a two, five, or ten-year note, thirty-year note, and you're looking at the markets, and you're saying to yourself, okay, the dollar is in a in a if we're going to quote Kaplan in this phase of its economic cycle, right, where the dollar's in a down phase. So anything I tie up in dollars, right, is going to lose some value while I'm holding it. But I am going to get some interest. Is the interest I'm going to get going to offset the amount of money that or the amount that the dollar is going to fall? Right? That's that's really the question. So if I'm going to hold this dollar debt for 10 years, right? And they're like, you know what? I think the dollar is going to be 20 or 30%, 40% lower. Why in the world would I buy a 10-year note that's only going to give me 3%? So... It almost is pretty logical to understand why it is people aren't showing up. I'm going to show you, I'm going to share with you where they are going when we return. So remember this. If the money is leaving one place of the market, it's going to go to another place. (laughs) Where is that place going? Russia's central bank announced that their gold reserves reached 1,857 metric tons in January and is now the fifth largest gold holdings in the world. Uh, They just moved ahead of China, which is at 1,843. And I I say that because that's what China says. No one actually believes that number. And what I mean by that is most people already believe that China is the second largest gold holder in the world. Uh, but, you know, we, we, can't, we can't say that because the Chinese haven't said that. The Russians added another 600,000 ounces, which, by the way, is 18.66 metric tons of gold in January. Russia added 224 metric tons of gold last year. By the way, if you take 18.66 times it by 12, that's 224. So they're buying a bit, pretty much the same pace that they've been buying at. Since June of 2015, the Russian Central Bank has added over 576 metric tons to its reserves. They currently have $447 billion in gold reserves. Russian holdings of U.S. Treasuries, $100 billion. So they got, what, four and a half times more in gold uh, than, they, the, than they have in, in U.S. Treasuries. Uh, by the way, if you want to know how all of this breaks down as far as who, who holds the gold? Uh, the United States, we're still listed as number one, right, at 8,000 metric tons. Uh, that is the at least our official response. Uh, Germany is second. 
3,376. Remember, Germany used to be a seller. So when I first started, Germany was selling about 100 metric tons a year, give or take. They now don't sell any. Matter of fact, what have they done? Right, The Germans have brought, 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 bringing all their gold back home because a lot of their gold was stored in New York. It was stored in London. Now it's all back in, in, in Germany. The IMF, they're the third largest holder at 2,814 metric tons. Remember when the IMF sold some gold because they were broke? Right, and everybody, you know, was hammering gold. Oh, who's going to buy it? Who's going to buy it? Right, India bought a whole bunch, and, and they sold 400 metric tons in like a couple of days. Italy is third at 2,451. France at 2,435. Then Russia and China, both around 1,857, 1,843. Then it goes Switzerland, Japan, the Netherlands, India. Those are where the largest concentration of gold is. Officially, none of these countries are selling. Even though all through the 90s and the early 2000s, Germany, Italy, France, they were all sellers. Go back 20 years. Remember how we talked about 20 years ago, the price of a car and how the Federal Reserve, the way they do inflation, says that the price of a car hadn't gone up a single dollar. There's no inflation there. Russia and China really didn't have any gold. China didn't have any. Now they're the fifth and sixth largest. And like I said, really, most people think China's the second largest holder and Russia's catching up. Right at the at the pace that they're on, it looks like in about three years Russia will move uh, to the fourth largest gold holder in the world, right behind the IMF. And you really have to start asking yourself, okay, is this where the money's going to go? Right, if money is coming out of the bond market, as Art Cashin was saying today. We got the quote-unquote bond vigilantes that are going to force fiscal discipline. Where is that money going to go? And if you look at at least what the Chinese are doing, what the Russians are doing, really if you even look at what the Europeans are doing, they may not be adding yet, but they certainly aren't selling anymore, are they? So when you start really looking at, at where the, the market moves are heading, I think there's a good, there's a real strong possibility, you know, that if we're going to impose, quote-unquote, fiscal discipline, whether they like it or not, uh, that gold is going to receive a big chunk of that money. Today I've got an item that I can't even tell you. I'm sure we've sold them before. I can't tell you when. U.S. $10 Indian AU grade for the price matter of fact, I'll tell you what, for $5 less than you could buy the raw $10 Indian for. Uh, the raw ten dollar Indian seven thirty five today you can go all the way up to an AU grade 
And from what I'm told, these things are awesome. And, of course, you know the Indians. These are really, really nice material. $730 today on AU $10 Liberties at 800 951 Rolls of Silver Eagles still at 395 uh, I also have uh, you know some rolls of, of silver quarters today if you want to pick those up as well. We've got those in stock as well at 800 951 0592 final segment coming up. Three lines are open 800 951 Uh Just awesome deal because you, you know how I feel. I love the Indians. The Indians are my, my favorite coins. They're, they're, they're the best minted coins. This one today, the $10 one, this is the female Lady Liberty. She's got the Indian headdress on. Uh, AU grade. But, I mean, you just don't get them. And normally they're so much more expensive. And In a normal market, an AU $10 Indian would be, I don't know, 50 to $75 more than just the regular raw ones that we normally sell. Today you can get AU $10 Indians. $730. So that's going to be $5 less uh, than a, what a regular Indian would be at 800 951 uh, Now you, you start thinking about what the Russians are doing, what the, you know, the Chinese aren't saying anything. Right? All we know is uh, starting next month, they're going to be clearing oil contracts in Renimbi. Right, everybody's going to be adding uh, that Chinese currency to their reserve basket. Right, the Federal Reserve is trying to sell. We've got the bond vigilantes back. Bloomberg's now calling it uh, bond again. Right, <laughs> and now they're saying, "Hey, everyone's focused on the ten-year note, but you better pay attention to the thirty-year note." Of course, we talked about that earlier. We'll keep our eye out. You know, the the Federal Reserve again, it appears confused. We really haven't even heard from Jerome Powell. Uh, so we don't know, but we heard from Kaplan. Uh, then we heard from Bullard, and they essentially said the opposite thing. Kaplan thinks that, that while not admitting that they're behind, doesn't want to be behind, and we got to keep raising rates. Bullard's saying, I'd rather be behind, because I don't think the growth is there, right? So you've got these interesting times and and really what's and ultimately at the end of the day it's really an easy problem to understand and all of uh, even all the stuff i've been talking it doesn't matter here's the problem the debt just blew up that's what happened let's just call it what it is the debt blew up and, and you know what's so funny is we all i told you that was coming anyway Yes, did, did the tax cut and the two-year spending bill add, you know, fuel to the fire? Yes. Yes, it did. But make no mistakes about it. Even without that stuff, the debt was blowing up. Now it's just blowing up faster. And the answer really is simple. There's just not enough people out there that want to buy. Why don't they want to buy? Because here's what's, ha- here's what's different this time. 
When bond yields rise, the dollar's supposed to rise with it. And then they want to buy it. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to get a better interest rate, and the dollar's going to appreciate. That's a win-win. Yeah, I want to buy. But now, because the debt is so big, people are like, wait a minute. I've already, you know, can you imagine the I already got a trillion of these. <laughs> now you want me to buy it, and everybody and their mother knows the dollar's going to fall. I need a whole lot more interest than that to make up for it. Yeah, it's going to come into the gold market. AU $10 Indian, $730, 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again on Monday.